Hi, I'm your host, Tina Clark, and welcome to My Weirdest Experience Podcast. This is the podcast of the weirdest experience that has ever happened to you and gives you a venue to fully express yourself and share your weirdest story with the world. This is the No Judgment Zone, a safe place to share your experience. It's also a place where we discuss what happened to you and share some possible theories on what and why this happened. If you would like to be on the show, email me at contactstargazingangel at gmail.com. Hey listeners, I have a great guest today, someone I've known for more than 10 years. Um, Her name is Melody Craft and she is a soul navigator and she lives in the Northern Virginia area where I used to live and I'm met Melody about 10 years ago when she did a class. Now, I don't even remember what the class was about. I don't either. (laughs) (laughs) But I had a huge healing experience from that class because I had been suffering from PMDD, which is like a severe form of PMS. And she had helped me identify why I was feeling that way. And then she guided us all through this releasing meditation, uh, what I call the golden ball meditation. And I still use it to this day with my clients because when I did that, I released all of that anger and my PMDD went away. So several things aligned that evening. And I've also taken a mediumship class with Melody and I took a meeting the spirit guides class so I'm excited to talk to her because it's been years since we've talked and I wanted to welcome Melody to the show. Well Tina thank you for inviting me. <clears throat> Excuse me if I use a little something with my voice because I have allergies. <clears throat> so um is there a question that you'd like to ask me or I can just start talking? You can just start talking about <laughs> what you want to talk about. Okay, so I'd like to talk, we talked a little briefly before we started uh, this interview about mediumship and that a lot of people do have a mediumistic faculty. So it's not really considered a talent or a gift, it's a faculty. And it is um, something that you're born with. And research has been done lately where they're beginning to identify that it's associated. <clears throat> this is not necessarily a cause, <clears throat> but an association with um, a recessive gene. So it does tend to run in families. And they've also identified that mediums have an additional 10 to 12 strands located in certain areas of the brain that other people don't. So this is a biological thing. Wow, I had no idea. And the history of mediumship is quite interesting because it's not at all what most people think about what it is today. Today, when you think of mediumship, you think of people having a one-on-one session where you connect with someone on the other side and receive information and relay it, or you see someone on the platform in front of a large group of people. But that's just like one-tenth of what mediumship really is. 
because when it began, its purpose was to elevate the consciousness of society. Okay, now, when we look at mediumship from a broader perspective, what its real purpose is now, it is about holding a space and encouraging others to really uh, move into their own talents, into their own soul path. So you wanna create an environment and have people recognize, gee, I have these abilities that I haven't identified before, or either I'm fearful of how people will respond if I step forward with that. And so it's really about healing and just encouraging people to be fully themselves. So mediumship is much broader again than just doing readings back and forth. You probably didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, it's never as simple as it sounds. <laughs> no, it's not. And um, mediums are always learning and developing. So it's not something where you can go to a weekend class and receive a certificate that you're certified medium. That really has no meaning at all because there's there's so many levels of mediumship um, that you cannot possibly learn it in such a tiny time frame. And mediums always say their best reading is the one they did right before they passed because they're always learning and always growing and being open to change. So if mediums don't change and they kind of get stuck in one place because that's where their comfort level it is, in the end, their mediumship will start deteriorating. And so they're not gonna be really effective. And also you have to learn to discern where you're getting the information. Are you tapping into a thought form of someone who's passed or to the living consciousness of an individual? So you may be picking up literally energy imprints of someone on the other side and not proving that life continues. So how can you tell the difference between a thought form and the actual consciousness? With a thought form, typically you're picking up information about what the person was, but you can't provide information of what they are currently doing on the other side. And so this is something that takes time to fine tune your sensitivities to identify which it is. So and when you're connecting to a loved one, say on the other side, are you having an actual conversation with them? It depends, it depends on the individual on the other side. People, when they pass, their consciousness and personality is intact doesn't change. Um, so if you have someone that you're connecting to on the other side who is very reserved and rather quiet and maybe shy and didn't feel comfortable expressing themselves a lot, they're going to still be that way on the other side. So you're not going to get a lot of verbal information from them. But what you can do through your sensitivity is be able to feel their energy and their personality and describe what they were like. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because my father passed away a long time ago. He was never a talkative guy, but he loved music. 
So once in a while, there's a song that comes on that makes me think of him. And I think, oh, did you send me that song? Because <laughs> now I'm thinking of you, daddy. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And, um, and really just any, you don't have to have mediumistic faculty to sense the presence of loved ones on the other side. You know, if you just sit quietly and you can feel a shift of energy around you of a loved one. And when you have that feeling, it's like, oh, you know, there's my mom, there's my husband. Don't doubt it. Just accept it. So you were saying before we um, record, started the recording that you've been a medium for about 11 years professionally, but you've always been a medium. So what were some of the signs that you were a medium when you were younger that you may have not realized that was a sign of a medium? Well, as a child, I could always see people on the other side. Um, and when I was a child, I actually saw them objectively. You know, mostly when we see those on the other side, we see them subjectively through the third eye. But I would actually see them standing there just like everyone else. And so I would see someone and I would tell a friend of mine, oh, do you see that man standing over there? And they go like, there, it's right there. And they didn't see the person. Then the person would just, you know, dissolve basically. And I didn't see them. And so this happened all the time. And I used to think, okay, other people are not seeing what I'm seeing. I didn't think there was anything strange about it. It felt totally normal to me. Um, and then I was also had a, uh, psychic abilities, which is very different from mediumship. And that was very strong for me. So I always had a, a sense and a feeling of what was going to happen beforehand. And I always knew things about people. And I used to wonder, I don't know how I know these things. I just do. And it really wasn't. And when I was in college, I was always getting information about other students around me. And it really unnerved them. <laughs> And I thought, okay, so I don't want to make people feel uncomfortable. I don't really know what to do with this. So I'm not going to do anything with it until I know what its purpose, because it should be something helpful and not scaring people because <laughs> I know things about them. And so I just kind of put it on a back burner. It was always there in my life. I was always aware of things, but it really wasn't probably until maybe about 15 years ago that I started thinking, um, about it again it just it came up um and then i start taking a lot of formalized training in it and then it, when i realized that you know gee whiz i can do this and be helpful to people then i start doing it professionally um i have to say i've really um changed my focus and so i don't do as many mediumship sessions anymore and because I realized that okay, there's a better way of helping people, and that's really helping people navigate their soul. Because people are always saying to me, you know, I don't know what my life purpose is. I don't know why I'm here. Mm -hmm. And they're confused. And so that's my focus now with individuals, helping them get really clear about what their life purpose is and how they make choices in their life. 
And I always tell everyone, there's only two choices you have literally for every decision that you have to make, just two. So yeah, that means you're either coming from a place of fear or you're coming from a place of love. That's it. And when you make a decision based on fear, you're always going to end up regretting it. But when you come from a place of love, that helps you move forward into your journey. And so people say, well, what about, you know, doubt and stress and all that? So doubt, stress, anxiety, all these feelings of unease in the body, these are all components of fear. So you know when you're in that mode of experiencing that you're in fear. And so fear comes from the ego. And the ego's job is to keep you stuck in the past. That's its job. And so, so when there's something that you really want to do with your life, but you're fearful of it, what you're doing is you're listening to this critical voice telling you that you're not good enough that you're limited in some way and you're believing the lie because it is a lie because the ego is just a collection of thoughts that you have about yourself that you believe are true but they're not so when you believe that it's always going to keep you stuck in the past and that means Nothing in your life is going to change. You're going to just keep repeating the same pattern over and over. Um, but when you are willing to pay attention to your thoughts and catch yourself when you have one of these egoic consciousness thoughts and realize like, oh, there's an old thought that I've been leaving for a long time, but I'm not going to listen to it right now in this moment. I'm not going to fight with it because ego loves a good fight. <laughs> you don't want to go down that road. So you just want to notice it and say, okay, I'm not going to pay attention to it right now. And I'm just going to shift my focus to a place of love. Okay, so what does that mean? That means you want to go to a place where you can remember what it feels like to feel either loved or you feel expanded, joyful, or peaceful. Any of those feelings will help start extinguishing these old thought patterns that you have. And that's how you keep moving forward in your soul journey. And so people say, well, I don't really know where I am in my soul journey. And I remember oh, several years ago, a man came to me and he asked me, he goes, I want to know where I am in my spiritual awakening. And I want to know it in percentiles. <laughs> Am I at 70%, 80%, 90% there? And I sat there and I thought, okay, <laughs> the fact that you're asking this question indicates that you're nowhere near these percentages because it shows one, a lack of patience. And patience is critical in your soul journey. When you become impatient, it actually stops you. Patience actually helps you move forward more quickly. Um, so he, he, I can't remember exactly what I told him. It's been so long ago, but I just thought it was very interesting that he wanted to know 
and in percentiles. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds very right brain, you know, analysis. <laughs> Oh. oh, so why do we have an ego? And and Melody, she is a Course in Miracles teacher. So if you're familiar with Course in Miracles, they talk about the ego a lot in there. Um, but why do we even have an ego? Okay, so this is a good question. It, my background also is because I'm also a psychologist. So that helps me understand the Course in Miracles because of, a lot of that is embedded in it. Uh, the Course in Miracles is really helpful because it's coming from a Western perspective and a Christian perspective that most people here have some knowledge or feeling from, okay? And it's really a mind training program. And when people start reading it, it can feel quite abrupt. Uh, I know people have said they've actually picked up the book and thrown it across the room because it is counter to everything that we've taught. And the course talks about the ego and the course talks about love. So the course refers to love as the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is just a word. It's um, a form of communication from the source of everything. And the ego came about because at one point in time, this is from the Course, because we all came from the Creator, which means we all have the same creativity as the Creator, and we have a powerful mind, we had this idea of what would it be if I decided to run away from home? <laughs> what would that be like? And we took it seriously. <laughs> and so when we did that, what essentially what we did is we ran away from love. And now we have created this dualistic world that we live in where we turn on the news every day and we hear all about the conflict that's going on in the world. Okay, so that's the nature of the ego world, dualism and conflict. And so to make a really long story short, <laughs> Our job is to retrace these steps to go back to our essential self, our authentic self, which is love and not the ego. So in our society, we always hear about, well, having a big ego is really a good deal. Well, it's really not because it means that you're believing in falsehoods about yourself. And that's quite painful. And for most people, these falsehoods are always telling them that they're less than in some way. And that's painful. And so um, sometimes people will say to me, like they'll tell me that perhaps a coworker that they're, uh, has said something to them that really has hurt them, it really triggered them. And so I'll ask, well, if you're being triggered by someone Rather than getting mad at that person, see it as an opportunity. Because what's happening when you're being triggered is that whatever it is that they said to you, on some level, you believe that's true. But it's not. And that's why it hurts. 
So when they say something that triggers you, that's an opportunity to say, okay, what is it I'm believing about myself? That's not true. Because if I look at it now, I can see it and I can clear it out. And so when you do that, the next time someone tries to trigger you with that same content, you won't even notice it because you've cleared it out. Mm -hmm. Cleared out an illusionary thought about who you are. And so that's healing. Yeah, I always say to friends, clients, if you triggered, that means you have some healing to do. And it's an opportunity to look at yourself and why you were triggered by something someone did or said. Yeah, because when you're triggered, it means you're believing a lie about yourself. And, and so you tend to get defensive. But I want to ask them, well, what are what exactly are you defending? You're defending a falsehood. So when we decided to run away from home, <laughs> wasn't there anyone to warn us that this is not a good idea? <laughs> I don't think we were listening. <laughs> Wait a minute, you may not want to do this. <laughs> yes. Yes, so now the journey is going better. And so and the course talks about actually uh, everything happened in an instant. So it's actually all over. And we're just basically watching a movie of ourselves right now. This so is a really long movie, Melody. <laughs> yes, it is. And there's many of these movies. So, so the life that you have now, think of it as like, if you remember when they used to have blockbuster stores where you went in and you chose what, I don't remember what they were even called films to take home and watch <laughs> rentals yeah rentals okay yeah so you think okay so what am i in the mood for do i want to watch a world war ii movie about war do i want a romance do i want a comedy and so you chose what you were felt like you needed in that moment for whatever reason okay so basically that's what we've done now in in our current life we chose a life that we felt we needed to experience that we're actually watching. And it's feeding a need on two levels. One, and the most important thing is really it gives us opportunities to learn about who we really are and get rid of all the illusionary beliefs that we have. So they're all opportunities for learning and to return home. And we get to choose how long we wanna do it how many movies we <laughs> you know the, the the Bhagavad Gita says we have thousands of incarnations and I think sometimes to myself am I just a slow learner <laughs> you are the ultimate multitasker <laughs> the what the, the multi ultimate multitasker yes <laughs> or juggler so that's interesting. So do you think most of us have ha are having many, many lives at the same time? Or are there some soul aspects that are less experienced than others on the planet right now? Oh, certainly. Um, 
because there is no such thing as time and space. It's, that's a perception that we have from our physical senses. So everything actually all happened at once and we're just reviewing it now. And it's something that our human brains, we cannot wrap our head around it. And so I don't tell people just don't sweat it and try to figure that out. Just do what you need to do in your life now to move forward. Mm -hmm. You're the ultimate multitasker, but you don't, you, most of the time you're not remembering what you're doing in the other lives. So just focus on the one that's in front of you. <laughs> okay. So um, it's interesting that you said that when we think about moving forward in our life, we often think about we have to learn and add things to ourselves to somehow be better. But this journey is not about adding anything to ourselves because we are already everything. It's about subtracting. So we're not adding, we're subtracting. We're removing everything that's a falsehood. And as we do that, then our soul has the opportunity to more fully unfold. So every time you remove a false belief about yourself, your soul potential rises and your consciousness starts elevating. And so our journey right now, we have on a human, we can be on an egoic consciousness level. Some people who are very embedded in that are you will find they have characteristics where they feel very isolated and alone. They cannot relate to other people. Uh, they have, there's a lack of empathy. And so their lives tend to be very destructive. Okay. And this is typical in the first stage of spiritual awakening, which is Nietzsche refers to it as the camel stage. And so you're walking, you feel like you're walking in a desert carrying burdens like the camel. And there's no water in sight. It's just a really dreadful type of existence. But then when you reach a point in your life where you feel like, you know, I really have had enough of this, that there has to be a better way. And when you get to that point, then there's a shift that starts moving you into the second stage of spiritual awakening, which is referred to as the, the lion stage. And the lion is there to kill off the illusionary aspects of yourself. So in the second stage of spiritual awakening, there are many different levels, subtle level, levels of consciousness where you really begin to start waking up to who you are. And so you find yourself at some point straddling two worlds where you have one foot in the world of spirit and one foot in the world of ego. Um, and this is very typical and it's towards the end of stage two. And you're trying to listen to your intuition because the intuition is the voice of your soul. And the voice of your soul is connected to spirit. So when you listen to your intuition, you're really being guided by spirit. So again, you have the choice. Am I going to listen to my intuition, which is linked to spirit and love? Or am I going to listen to the ego, which is falsehood? Now, when people really decide, okay, I'm going to pay attention to my intuition, 
and I'm going to act on it because it can be scary because your ego's going to say, no, don't act on it. I'm going to give you all the reasons why you shouldn't do it. <laughs> it's all the logical reasons why you should not listen to your intuition and act on it. Okay, that's its job. Remember, it's to keep you stuck. But if, when you act on your intuition, you're going to see results from it. And the results are going to move you forward. And the more you act on it and the more you see results, you're really beginning to develop a confidence in your intuition. And over time, this intuition that you have, it transmutes into faith. And it's a faith built on a solid foundation that keeps you moving forward. At some point, you'll reach stage three of spiritual awakening, which is referred to the innocent child. And that means that you have now reached a point where you're returning to the innocence you had before you believe. And so now you are aligned with spirit and you have a, what we would call miracles but they're really natural abilities that anyone has when they are fully aligned with love and spirit. And so this is where we see avatars and ascendant masters in stage three. So I just gave you a really quick condensed <laughs> version. Is there a stage four? Well, no, stage three is, yeah. So in stage three, so we're moving from the egoic consciousness and then we move up at some in stage two to kind of semi-super consciousness. And we have those moments when we have this, these feelings of insight, like I don't know where this came from, but it's really quite wonderful and beautiful. I feel great and, it, and it's advising me to move forward. Okay. And, and you can have sometimes out of body experiences or, or feel like, I feel like I am, I am everything. I can feel the trees around me. I am the tree and the stars and the moon. Okay. So we have that, and then we have super consciousness. And then from there, uh, the next level is Christ consciousness. And then beyond that is cosmic consciousness. So where are we on the planet right now? <laughs> well, Earth is an interesting place. <laughs> Collectively, where are we at? Because we really have a mix of people that are on different levels. Um, but interesting enough, and sometimes it may be hard to believe that this planet has actually been dedicated as a spiritual planet. That's it's the intention of this planet. And so all those people that are see themselves as light workers and, and wanting to um, express love, extend love, they really are the forerunners or helping shifting the energy and the consciousness of this planet. So what do you mean? What do you mean by this planet is supposed to be a spiritual planet? It's been designated as that. So individuals who incarnate on this planet, that is part of their sole purpose to wake up. So we deliberately incarnate here asleep. And then the whole process of living is to wake more up and return to love so when waking up you know waking up comes in stages it, 
And so we're all at slightly different places in our journey in terms of our consciousness of who and what we really are. So when I ask people, like I always ask people, can you imagine a time that you didn't exist? Can you imagine that, Tina? Yes. You can imagine a time that you did not exist? As a like an individual spark soul aspect of creator? Uh, yes. What was that like? The best thing ever. I don't know. I guess I'm floating in space and thinking about how to create this universe. <laughs> How, how are we, what are we going to do on earth? What kind of potential are we going to drop on earth? Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm a big thinker, though. I mean, uh, I think I go big. Okay, so so you just said you can imagine a time when you did not exist. And then you just described what it was like when you did not exist. Is that correct? Okay, let me be clear. So what that means is, if you did not exist, how did you know all those things? <laughs> <laughs> because if we go, we knew everything, right? Like when we were merged with creator, we knew everything, everything, all the potential, all the thoughts, everything already existed. So that means you did exist. But that you've I, always existed. Yeah, I think we've always existed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just long time ago it was we had a different form <laughs> yes we have always existed and we have lots of opportunities to remember who and what we really are so is this the only planet that this is happening on where we need to re-remember who we really are, or is this happening in other places? Well, there, there's lots of different places, and um, I'm not an expert on that. The Gita does talk about that, and there are other esoteric books that talk about there are other many other planets and galaxies. I mean, just think of the fact that there is the substance limitations, what the possibilities would be. there would have to be other planets, other forms of life, because it's basically consciousness, what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Consciousness is all that is. So there was one point when we were all aware and all conscious, and then we decided to run away like a naughty teenager. And now we're going back to that. So this is all on behalf of experience? Well, well, we thought, well, wouldn't this be fun? I, you know, I'll, use, <laughs> I'll use my free will. No one's going to tell me what to do. And so we decided to be creative in sometimes rather destructive ways. And then we finally realized, like, this is no fun anymore. Then we start saying, okay. How can I change my thoughts? How can I return to a place of love and not live in a place of fear? 
So when you think about it, our life is really can be very simple because we, when we only have two choices, you can't get any more simple than that. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily easy. In fact, it's generally quite hard, you know, because we've, everything we've learned comes from the ego, how we should behave and how we should think. And so when you study the Course in Miracles, it is an abrupt change of everything that we've ever been taught. And for some people, that can feel quite threatening because if, if everything they believed up to now about who they are and their identity feels threatened, that can be very scary because if they're not ready to start working on it and they feel that they lose their identity, they're afraid that they won't exist. So that's why you find so much resistance for people that, that are afraid to change. It's really about they're afraid that they won't exist anymore. And they may not be able to verbalize that or say that out loud, but on a feeling level, that's what they're yeah. saying. But we've always existed. We've already been through this. But not everybody realizes that. <laughs> that's why we're here. <laughs> so I have to confess, years and years and years ago, I started to read The Course in Miracles. I got about 25% in. And the reason why I stopped is because I felt like it was repeating the same message over and over again. That's correct. <laughs> and I got the message. I felt like I got the message. And I kept reading and I was like, is there anything new in here? <laughs> Yeah, the whole book says the same thing over and over and over in many different ways. And it's circular, you know, it starts on one level and it keeps circling around and it presents it in another way. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. I always encourage people if they have trouble with The Course in Miracles to read Ken Wapnick's books because he worked with uh, Helen and Bill doing the editing on it and he spent his entire life explaining what the course says. <laughs> And he does a really good job at it. And yeah. so there's quite a few, I he probably has at least 50 books out on it and CDs and DVDs. And, uh, wow. So it takes 50 books to just <laughs> to understand the course in miracles. <laughs> he was passionate about it. And so he explained it from many different angles. And again, he basically said the same thing, but he would come from different vantage points. So it's like, okay, if you don't understand it from this way, I'm going to explain it from this way. Yeah. Another way. And here's the thing. you, In order to learn a new concept, you have to hear it over and over again. Um, and then hopefully, eventually, you'll start sinking in and you'll start absorbing it and understanding what it means. But a lot of books do that. They repeat the same message over and over again. Yeah. yeah, because we learn by repetition, which actually when you realize, okay, I've learned these false beliefs about myself by repetition. So what does that mean? It means that we have the power to extinguish those thoughts through repetition by replacing it with a new thought and not just the thought, but the feeling that's associated with it. That's what allows 
getting rid of those old thoughts. It's the feeling that you create. And the reason why this is so hard is because when we're little and we're growing up, everybody is listening and following their egos for the most part, right? Yes. So for the most part, we don't have that um, mentor or parent or whomever to show us this is the ego, this is love, you should choose love how to identify it. We learned this later, right? Yeah, most of us have that experience. Some people, I guess they chose their parents wisely. <laughs> We're ready for, for going into a family <laughs> that was more <laughs> conscious. Um, Yogananda did. He went into a family that was had a more higher conscious level and that was open to allow him to explore his path. Mm -hmm. So I always recommend everyone read the autobiography of a yogi because it gives wonderful examples in there where we are all headed, where we're going. Now, I started reading that book and I stopped too. I found his writing very formal and I guess it's because he lived in the, what was it, the 30s, early 20th century. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't sure where he was going with his stories. Like he was having cool experiences and he was seeing, you know, he was studying with these masters too. Um, but yeah, I stopped reading it. How long ago was that? Not too long ago. <laughs> Sometimes we will start things and we're just not in, we're not ready for a, the information at that point so set it aside if, if it doesn't resonate and then later on maybe a few years later pick it up and it's like oh i don't remember it being like this and you'll get it on a different level yeah yeah have you ever read um was it seat of the soul gary gary zukoff i yes. think his name is it's been a long time ago yeah Oh, God, I tried to read that book a long time ago, and I was like, what is this man saying? <laughs> okay, so, I have a book. so another really good book is Gary Renard's book, The Disappearance of the Universe. Yeah, I think I read that one. And how did you feel about that one? I think I liked it. So that was all about The Course in Miracles. Gary has a very humorous way of writing. So quite entertaining. I think I laughed through the entire book when I read it. But he had a, a lot of good things to say. Again, reminding us, grow up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so find that author that reels you in, pulls you in, like with their humor. I read a lot of books, so. I'm sure you do too. Do you have a favorite? I love conversations with God because I love the message of it. And for me, one of the major messages was you are allowed to change your mind. That's a good message. That's a good message. And I need to hear that because I change my mind a lot. And it made me feel better. And in, in it, God says, you could change your mind every second, 
of every minute of every day. And you are allowed to do that. Yeah. You should do that. Yeah. And if someone will ask me, well, do you believe in, in, in whatever something? And I'll say, well, this is what my thoughts are about it right now. But I may change that in five minutes from now if I get additional information to make me realize that there's more to this than what I know in this moment. Oh, which reminds me, and I wanted to read this to you. So in my um, classes, um, we always did a meditation and spirit would frequently talk to me and give messages that were for the whole group. And these messages felt very universal. So I wanted to share this one message because I always thought it was quite lovely. Okay. okay. So this is spirit talking. Brilliance is your nature. In time, each of you will come to understand the meaning for it is beyond the knowledge of this world and yet it is real. Isn't that lovely? Yes. Well, Melody, thank you so much for coming on the show and it was great reconnecting with you once again. And how about you share um, your contact information with the listeners in case they want to contact you or find out more about you? Well, they can, uh, my website is just melodycraftartist.com. And if you can't remember the whole thing, just Google me. I'm all over the place on the internet. <laughs> you are out there. <laughs> <laughs> and my Thursday class does have a just a couple of openings if anyone's interested in the spiritual gathering we do have a lot of interesting uh, discussions and meditations and experiences in it and it's a really lovely group of people that um, are very open to elevating their consciousness how big is the group i keep it small uh, so i want to keep it under 20 people because we do it on zoom and so it's nice to actually be able to see people's faces and, <laughs> and be able to communicate back and forth. So that's the, the limit that I have for this group. And then how often are you meeting? We meet every Thursday evening from um, 7 to 8.30. Nice. Well, thank you again for coming on the show. And I thank you for doing that meditation with me years ago. because. <laughs> That was some stuff I needed to let go. And you helped me do it. <laughs> Good seeing you again. Good to see you too. Thank you for listening. If you have a weird experience to share, please email me at contactstargazingangel at gmail.com. Check out our website on Tina Kinney Clark. Dot com. Also, we're on Facebook and like us on Facebook and share your favorite episodes with your friends and family. I look forward to hearing about your weirdest experience. <laughs>